Okay. <laughs> all right, all right, everyone. Welcome back to episode three of The Stir, Livingston County. We're so glad that you're with us today here on YouTube. And um, I'm here with my lovely co-host, Elena Keaton. And because Jace is sick today, he has a we cough. We have decided to replace the sick person with someone who is also sick. <laughs> Not contagious but sick. Less Not sick. contagious sick. <laughs> A little bit less sick. Yes, so. we want to we want to leave the germs at home. So we are bringing in today our very good friend, Ms. Julie Ohashi, who is the founding member and I guess you would say president, presidents, yeah. right, of Stand Against Extremism, Livingston County, and also the sister group, Livingston Integrity. And yeah, welcome, Julie. We are so glad that you are here. I'm so happy to be here. That's yeah. great. That's awesome. And we just, I'm really looking forward to talking to you today about a lot of different things. Yeah. So, and so, we are going to get to that. Yeah. What did you do, Casey? Well, what did I do like like this weekend? <laughs> sure. <laughs> What'd you do? I what did you do? <laughs> this weekend. Okay. So, so this weekend, um, I went out to a place called the Emmerich Center in Brighton. Cool. A lot of people haven't heard of this, but it's down by Island Lake Recreational Area, and it's it was a spiritual retreat. So I've been going through a lot of changes in my life um, over this past year or so, growing a lot, um, just per interpersonally, and it was a retreat out in nature, a bunch of naturey type things <laughs> nature wandering maybe a little witchy maybe a little guru maybe a little zen you know good vibes um wandering out in the woods doing some meditation meeting new people and yeah this is all in brighton it was amazing it was amazing i met i met a i met a really nice core group of folks and we had a great time so i'm back and i'm Got my zen. Found my zen. I'm fully zen. And oh, we got, oh, you can't see it over there, but we got a new poster over here, yeah. which I really like. And I want to thank my husband, Jim, for hanging this up for me. And there's going to be more pictures, by the way. We're going to, we're going to do this whole studio up. It's going to look great. It's yeah. going to look great. Anyways, anyways, enough talk about decorating. Ella. Everyone, Ella has an announcement. Yes. And it's a big one. Okay. I'm running for county commissioner because. Woo -woo! Okay, like, don't clap in the mic. Yeah, so you see that brown, if, if you see that brown uh, patch on this map, that is the district I am running in, which Osceola, is... Osceola, Heartland. So it's Osceola, east of Latson Road, and the entirety of Heartland Township. I will be running as county commissioner there next year. That Better is not. amazing. Very nice. That is, and that is also, is that your district, Julie? Yeah. So you'll well, be able no, to no, no, I'm actually are, out, I'm on the border. You're oh, in, oh, that's I'm just bad. outside. You're in Oakland County. But I saw Osceola and I got excited because that's where I used to live. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oakland, Oakland County is not is not next to Livingston County according to Wes. <laughs> and, yeah. and who, who is, <laughs> he's literally like who, a block. <laughs> From my oh, house. Yeah. He's a block from yours. Speaking yeah. of, Wes is the incumbent, Wes Nakagiri. He has to say, like, tell it to who's Wes. He is a very not good person. You go, here's <laughs> the thing. He's a really shitty person. Here's the I'm thing. I'm just going to say it. That's a really nice way of saying it. Here's the thing. You go on the front page of his website. 
factual errors on the front page. Wait, the county commissioner has a website? Wes has a website. Oh. So front page of his website. He's like factual errors. He's cherry picking data. Yeah, cherry picking. He's as well. You know, he claims that all the data is updated to like 2023 when some of it is like from 2018 and there is 2021 data he could be using. He is leaving out the fact that Shiawassee County and Oakland County are next to Livingston County. So maybe he should compare against those two as well. Or like get him a map or something. <laughs> he just needs one to like kind of learn learn where he is and what's around him. Maybe. I'm sure he knows where where everything is. He knows where everything is. He's doing he this just, on purpose. Yeah, he just leaves it out. He it's just, just what's convenient. Convenient yeah. for the narrative at that time. Right, right. So you're gonna be so you're gonna be running for county commission. As a former county commission candidate, I am extremely excited for you. Yeah. And I think this is gonna be I'm over the moon. I think it's going to be yeah, a great And like real quickly, I guess, you know, enough talking about why I don't like the previous person. Uh, what I am going to be focusing on is uh, transportation because, you know, we have a population where people are getting older and older and they are going to need to be able to get around the county without having to rely on someone to drive them. And in addition, there are many people who can't drive here who need to be able to get around. There are many people who want, who really don't want to be driving, but they have to, who would very much like public transportation option. There is existing demand for a bus route down Grand River Avenue that is not being met. And we have a county commissioner, county commission, that is causing less transportation to have to hold, to have to, it's, it's being held back. Yeah, tell me about, because there's money, you, you messaged me about this earlier this week. So basically. So there's money on the table right now, grant money that the, that the county is just leaving on the table. So they're not even like writing the grant well, for he, it? Well, here's the thing. So there is like, they need like a 15% match. That has to come from local funds. Gotcha. So if you don't have enough, then some of that federal grant money, it doesn't get lost, it gets carried forward. Okay. But, you know, we're not, we're not using the full potential of the federal grant money for, like, tra for, for, for public transportation. Well, why would we do that when we could just pass um, toothless resolutions about COVID and firearms? Don't really. I, let's be, this is kind of what West does, right, on the county commission. Yeah. This is what he's known for doing, making these these blanket resolutions on the county commission that don't mean anything, that don't really have any truth. They're just yeah. They're they're like BS people. Okay, so what they are? There's no there's no there's no authority into them at all. They're basically just um, a way to gin up the base. Okay? Yeah, what to he's choosing the, the to right do base. is to focus on issues that have absolutely nothing to do with the county that has never been a problem in this county and not focusing on issues that actually are a problem. Yeah, like, okay, county. or aren't relevant to them because yeah, they're probably right. privileged and drive anyways and they don't care about Well, here's the thing. Even if you drive, so many people in this county work in Oakland County, or they work in Genesee County, or in Ingham County, or in Washington. They work in one of the surrounding counties, and they commute. You know, I think I saw a statistic like a pretty significant number of people have to commute a pretty significant distance 
to get to work. Yeah, and not only that, but then there's wouldn't also they those like seniors. To, yeah, wouldn't they like to, you know, not be driving? Because that is a pretty taxing activity. Yeah. Anyways, Especially enough with, talking you know, about get, me. No, this no, no, is... no, it's good. And there was one other point really quickly I wanted to make about that. Seniors as well. Like, not, we, have a, we have a real advancing senior population here. People are aging. You know, they're graying here in Livingston County. Yeah. As you get older, not everyone is able to drive. It's not safe for people who are, you know, of a certain age to drive. They rely on family members to drive them. I know that because I've got... I've got my own brother-in-law and my mother-in-law. Neither one of them drives. So tomorrow, yeah. I'm running my brother to the doctors because he he has Parkinson's. He cannot drive anymore. So if we don't do it, you know, and I'm lucky that we were able to do that for him, but if not everybody is that fortunate where they have family members immediately around them who, you know, who could take care yeah. of them. This is so, not the me running for county commissioner episode. This is the episode know, we know, talk about I Julie. Know. But you know, I get fired up about local issues. I'm I get really sorry. fired up about we it. That's why I ran for office about, three times. We can talk more about this on a later episode. Oh, yeah, we you, have a whole that, year. Yes, we are going to be talking about it. But I did just want to say huge congratulations to you, Ella. Yes. That's huge. That's huge. So, Julie, Exciting. we're going to pivot over to you now. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Because I think a lot of people... Um, you once once sage which for everyone sage stands for stand against extremism livingston county and they have a sister organization called livingston integrity once these groups started gaining momentum and were covered in the news you sage has been covered in statewide news has it been covered in national news yeah it's sort of national news it's been mentioned in national news and certainly local news People started paying a lot of attention to you, but when you first started, Julie, you did your you didn't start under your own name. So a lot of people, you were you were running kind of behind the scenes. You had a Facebook name that was that was private, which a lot of people have. A lot of people have Facebook. No, that was by design. By I, design, I, and and you did that probably to protect your absolutely. your family and yourself, yes. right? Because you were upsetting a lot of people. Who, well, I grew up in this town, so I knew I knew who I was going to be poking. It wasn't going to be people that were going to be very happy about it. And you were actually concerned for your well-being Absolutely. and for your family's well-being. Because you are a Heartland mom, so you have a kid in school this year, right? Yes. I, uh, I grew up in Howell, though. You grew up in Howell. And so I, what brought you back here? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I think, so I actually, I, one of the reasons I, I left Howell was because of a lot of the racism that I grew up with. Um, a lot of my friends had very unfortunate um, instances in public education over in Howell High. I graduated in 01, and then I, I left pretty quickly. We we would see walking from Howell High back to my house, like every day, you know, um, robed Klansmen at our train tracks would have wow. meetings. Wow. I did not even realize that that was, like, not normal for the earlier part of my life. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, I mean, it was it was it was a regular thing. There was a black family that had crosses burned in their yard while I was living I remember back that. there. We had, of course, the infamous Klan rally at our courthouse. Um, there was instances where my I mean, gosh, my my best friend found we were in his dad's closet. We found a, a robe, you know, like it was much more of a thing. A Klan robe. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it was his grandfather, so it was like it wasn't in use currently, but it was. It, it's it's there. They had an auction, like 
when I was working at the paper about 20 years ago, they had an auction of clan memorabilia right and that was when Howell. miles that was when miles had passed probably that was I a think. huge deal yeah, yeah i mean he was were not in my time that. period of living and how miles was holding he he's the um oh, the grand dragon for he's the state of now. michigan yeah but he was in gahakta at the time and he was holding hate rallies regularly lacrosse burnings the whole shebang he bombed buses he bombed and school pontiac. buses in pontiac yeah, yeah. he he was convicted very for that. very bad dude him yeah. and multiple other kkk members they actually were the th- third wave of the clan the kkk um which kind of rose its head back up in during um civil rights movement and so he specifically got involved with education which is the scary part to me knowing that back history um he tarred and feathered a superintendent in like i want to say the 70s maybe 60s um literally trapped him on a bridge in the middle of the night at gunpoint ripped him out of his car and tarred and feathered this guy um and there it's these scare and intimidation tactics and at the time it was because that superintendent was anti-segregation it was during the busing um which they were very against they did not they wanted the segregation and so miles was a very um I mean, if you have ever seen the documentary, I think it's called Blood in the Face. Um, it's it's an interview with him, and it talks about how they had thousands of members in the 80s and how they recruit among the automotive industry workers specifically um, and how they have a stronghold in the Detroit area. Um, it's very interesting. There's a video on YouTube that you can look up. I don't I don't have the link, but it's, it's the, uh, you know, where you're talking about that documentary where they actually have they show footage of that clan meeting mm-hmm. in Cahokta. Like, mm-hmm. and this was not like very long no, ago. No, those, that's my whole point is those people had, you know, children who are now raising children in our community. And so when people come and say things like, oh, you know, we, there is no racism in Livingston County. It's like, well, you clearly aren't from here yeah. or you're just a white supremacist sympathizer. Like yeah. it's one of the two because... <laughs> Because it's very deep here. Yeah. Um, and that's a big reason why I, I dug out. You know, when I graduated, I hit the West Coast and did my thing. I was um, recently transplanted back uh, during COVID. We lost our housing. Um, couldn't maintain on just my teacher's salary. Where were you? In we're Hawaii. T- you, yeah, you were near um, Lahania. Were you not? Like, was oh, that- yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let my, um, yeah, my husband, uh, his entire adult life was in Lahaina and half of his childhood was in Lahaina because he's actually a Lanai'i born uh, native, uh, which is just a 40 minute boat ride from Lahaina. And then, so can you tell us about like what you're doing now that you're back in Livingston County? Well, not in Livingston County. Well, I started going to some local school board meetings um, because at the time I was really worried about COVID mitigation strategies as a teacher. I mean, it was very scary times at that point because um, you know, I work with elementary population and they are constantly German sick before COVID, you know? And so, um, I was just kind of getting a feel for like what districts in the area might have more safe protocol in place that I would be more comfortable, mm-hmm. um, because we have autoimmune compromised people in the family and young kids. And I didn't want to bring, be bringing that home. So Heartland is uh, the closest, it's just down the street. And so I started um, showing up to some meetings and it was really eye opening. I was very surprised uh, by what I was seeing. Um, it was hot button topic at the time, obviously, uh, with yeah. COVID stuff. But I, I was like, I don't know if I can go back in the classroom. <laughs> right. Like, right. I have no desire. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of us were very outspoken about COVID, you know, when 
and you and I didn't know each other at that time. You and I have only known each other maybe I would say about six months. It kind of got started with the school board meetings where I kind of ran across you, and we could talk about that in a minute. But um, COVID was kind of a, you know, there was a lot of, uh, well, that was the whole reason why I had that, the sheriff's, the sheriff's investigation against me for my tweet was because I called out a nurse who was spreading health misinformation in her community. This is prior, you know, just right around the time of the vaccine. People were still dying all over oh, yeah. the place. You know, yeah. how many millions of people have we lost worldwide to COVID? Oh, my father-in-law. I mean, we have lots of families that have You members. lost your father-in-law to yeah. COVID? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm really sorry about that. Yeah. Um, but people were around here pretending like none of that was happening. And meanwhile, here I am working, you know, here I am working in, um, you know, I work in healthcare. I could see the effects that it was having, the burden that it was having on our healthcare system. And that's what caused me to speak up about it. When I saw this nurse, Holly Austin, like speak at the Brighton School Board meeting and basically say vaccines could give children myocarditis and la la la, whatever else she was saying, talking about anti-mask and whatever. It just, I pulled out my camera and I started filming her and you know, that was a public, that was a public meeting and I put it on Twitter and all of a sudden I've got the sheriff investigating me. So when you and I, when I heard about you and I heard about what you were doing, um, through your involvement with the school, with, with, in Heartland, with the school board races, um, and trying to speak out against these, what we talked about last week, were called clean slaters, um, these far right candidates. And, and that you were taking a vocal stance, although you were doing it under, you know, a monic, you were doing, I called a moniker, whatever they call it now, like, a, you know, you weren't putting your Facebook name on there. It did make me worry a little bit about what could happen to you. Because I know, I mean, they tried to throw me in prison for tweeting. <laughs> so, and, and the sheriff actually bought into that. And, Is that and like, the same sheriff we have right now? That's the, yeah, Mike Murphy, Mike Murphy. So yeah, I'll never forget the day I got that call from a, from a deputy at my house. And I was like, are you, are you, are you kidding me right now? This all took place at a public meeting. This is public footage. I haven't contacted this woman. I, yeah, 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 I did. I did submit a complaint to Lara. And I know this isn't a show about COVID, but you know, those nurses were asking the the Michigan Board of Nurses was were asking to give information about nurses who were publicly spreading misinformation. So that's what I did. Anyway, but my yeah. worry was that you were going to be you know targeted in this way. Well, as the, well, the reason why I chose that too is in Heartland. I saw um, I think it was Mike Detmer at the time was running. He showed up to a Heartland meeting that I was at, and he there was Proud Boys there. Um, yes. It was it was it was they were very clearly wearing identifying gear and I yeah Mike's, I was Mike's floored. good friends with the Proud Boys I was absolutely floored for um, because they and they were there coming after specifically um, gay students at that meeting and I was just like oh my goodness this is crazy sauce so then fast forward to September I stopped going I was like this is I'm done like I'm definitely not going to be teaching in Heartland mm. um <laughs> I have a master's you your, what's your specialty just real quickly I have a master's in education um I do verbal behavioral um, special education. Special education, verbal behavior. Yeah, okay. elementary, early early childhood development. Sorry, I so. just want to get that out there. I didn't want to interrupt. K through five is what I'm certified. Mm. Um, and they, so when I was driving, because my child is serviced in Heartland, um, and I drive down there every single day, uh, I pass these signs. And I was watching them be professionally installed 
Um, and then they showed up on every corner. They were massive, like just like body size signs, right? And the thing that struck to me, it really struck me, was that there was four, four, you know, and I and I know that you know usually a school board does a seat of seven. So I'm going, this is an overthrow. The very first thing I saw on this sign was this is an overthrow before I even read the bottom, which was education, not indoctrination, which literally gutted me as a teacher, even though I don't work in that district, that is an attack on teachers. If I oh, had yeah. ever seen it and I hadn't, se- I didn't, I was just like, what is, what is going on? Like yeah. I just, I, I was sick to my stomach for those teachers. Yeah. Because I mean, what kind of people make an enemy out of educators? Like what, what this well, is a new thing in society where you make teachers the enemy. Yeah, I but knew this nothing. This is really what they were trying to do. I knew nothing do. about the Heartland School Board at the time, um, nor did I really care to, but you know, I'm being curious. I checked out the QR code and then I really took a deep dive into what they were putting out there and it was just downright scary. Okay. It was very, very scary. So do you want to talk about anything about these signs? Like <laughs> I saw these yellow this yellow sign campaign kicked off. Uh, they were Put, being put up next to those big signs. Um, and I thought they were genius. Yeah, and it uh, says, like, indoctrination. Are you serious? Support our teachers. Stop attacking them. And they were these little signs that were going next to their big signs. And they were having a hard time. So online, people were posting pictures. Uh, the community was really ra- really pumped about it. And a lot of teachers, I saw one comment that was like, this was like the, the rebel flag flying. I yeah, think it was in it like got Star a Wars. lot like, of attention. They were just like, oh my gosh, we have backup. People are coming to help. And I was like, we need a spot to collect these people um, who are really having big feelings about about this right now and so that's when i created the stand against extremism uh livingston county at the time private we kept it at a private page where um, i would just you know invite folks that i saw having similar concerns um they were pretty much all a school community it was teachers it was parents um and it was just a spot where we could start organizing and thinking about like what what can we do like this this resistance what does this yeah. look like um, how do we educate? I think that's the biggest part of where I was going is how do we educate the community? Because a lot of people have no idea. I mean, if you're not paying attention to school board stuff, which who the heck pays attention to school board? Yeah. You know? not, and I think that's really how these four these four clowns ended up getting on the school board, really, is because well, only people were not paying attention um, I think that a lot we're paying attention now. <laughs> I think a lot of the feedback I was getting at the time was they were they were like this is so bananas that there's no way they're going to get in. There was this yeah. like just like oh we don't have to worry about it because no way. Yeah. And and then it was just like blind like yeah. well that's the same thing that ha- that's you know not the first time people were like there's no way this person's going to win and then they won. Definitely <laughs> not. Uh, it's interesting I'm I'm interested in who funded that. You know what I mean? Like they well, had a saw lot of money West, being sunk into the There was the um um, uh, Heartland Business Association, uh, if you looked into the um, the filing reports, pretty much like all the main uh, big names with like Walden Woods and Heartland um, Business Association. Is this like this is not affiliated with the Heartland Chamber? What is this like a shadow yeah, chamber? Yeah, what it's not a real. I don't think. Yeah, I don't. It's not a real uh, entity. They're very secretive. They're very careful about keeping their stuff Keep, off the books okay, but they okay. but there there's board members that were we were starting to notice was on certain um like Walden Woods boards so they're okay so they're they want transparency that's what they're claiming they want on their slate but yet um 
Well, the it makes you wonder, is, like, why does the business, why, why do the weird. local businesses want so, people? Yeah, what is, what is their interest in that? It does kind of make you wonder. I know we're getting yeah. off track. It just, my brain went there for yes, a minute, but... So. Anyway, so but sorry, Wes, and we, yes. we have evidence that Wes Nakajiri was um, sponsoring the clean slates. Um, Can we talk about like especially Wes Nakajiri's uh, you know campaign yeah. against you? Yeah, because I let me let me let's back up a little bit here because yes, we want to explain this to some people and for people who can't. So Wes Nakajiri is the county commission. Uh, excuse me, the county commissioner in the di- in this district four currently. He's the incumbent, and obviously Wes is a person of of a lot of influence. He's county commissioner. He can make things happen out in this county when he, you know if he were to really put his mind to it. And you know we've talked about some of the things that have been going on in this county that haven't been getting attention, like yeah. underinvestment in seniors, public transportation. And rather than investing in these things, he chooses to go after. After Julie. Julie and a, on a one like a one man one, crusade yes. to really harass like harass you target you because what happened was you were doxxed right can you mm-hmm. talk about that yeah. somebody we don't know who yeah someone so Livingston published. Integrity launched our organization um, in March because we had a millage renewal vote to keep our public schools funded in Heartland. And so our Livingston Integrity, um, we throw our weight behind qualified candidates for school library board stuff, local elections, and then important bonds. Mm -hmm. And so when we saw that millage coming and then we saw this like downright attack to defund public education, uh, we hit a yes campaign very hard at the end of March. Yeah, because they were gonna say no. They were they didn't wanna they didn't wanna fund the millage. They no. were act. I no. I saw those posts. No, as well. they were tying they, um, groomers and yeah. all this pedophilia propaganda, like all this like manufactured. <laughs> Everyone and, I don't like is a pedophile. Yeah. And That's just basically the massive the, yeah. manufactured yeah. outrage yeah. about nothing. But what it came down to, I mean, they had billboards on this on the back of wagons they were even driving through town. It was wild. They they yeah. clearly went after the teachers. Um, and this is school funding. I mean, yeah. this is yeah. this is funding for this was funding for what? What was it funding for? Like buildings? This was like ten percent of the school's budget. It was like ten percent twenty five million, I think, over a five year period that the school would be lost. And they and they would they, have to cut staff, transportation, security. I mean. Every, there would be a it would yeah. it significantly impact our district and they were actively campaigning against us but they were actively. very unsuccessful so, very yeah. unsuccessful were... and so but so my point is we're talking about the doxing we launched Livingston Integrity launched our yes campaign end of March mm-hmm. and April 1st I was doxed in the, um, a, a Facebook group parent Heartland group that opposed the millage okay so that group my um name my personal photos and information on where i lived was posted by an anonymous person okay um and then what happened after that tell us what happened after that. yeah then the very next day that showed up on talking about daily rituals and practices i do meditative walking as um something that i do regularly i take my kid and my dog to the lake all the time um, daily, daily. This is a walking path that's only between my house and uh, the lake. It's a private association, so it's a gated. So for people who are not watching on YouTube but are listening on audio, um, this is a picture of a tree with a giant swastika. And we don't know 
if it was police say they still can't figure this out, whether it was burned in the tree or spray painted into the tree. Well, there was burned areas on the tree. There were burned areas it, it, on the tree. Okay. It had rained a significant. This is back in the beginning of April. So there was a lot. It was a lot of soggy. It was very rainy. And this is a huge swastika and it's on a tree just outside your property. Yeah, you can actually see the red in the background is literally my kid's swing set. Can you scroll up a little, Ella? So I nope. Can, oh, is that the full shot? <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, the, the whole point is, is it's just outside my property line, okay. but there's no other houses here. Like, there's no other houses yeah. here. So at the time, was I targeted? I didn't know. I But it felt very coincidental. Well, yeah. I mean, um, if I were to be walking outside my property and all of a sudden, like, I see a swastika at the, I live at the, I live at a private road, a dirt road and a cul-de-sac. And if I were to go out there to an area that I know people knew I would have to, you know, walk to... I would I would be wondering about that too. I think that's yeah. a perfect. I mean, it was West, an, it was an extreme. It, it felt West. like a huge violation. I mean, I, I my first instance was my heart stopped, and I'm like, is there like a siege? Is there people in the woods that are like yeah. ready to do some harm? I just like got my dog and my kid in the house as fast as I could. That was the very first thing, and then I went back out, and it was just like this is crazy. And so I, I just called the police instantly, um, and because. I mean, our family has been on this property for generations, multiple generations, and we have never seen anything like this. Uh, my husband is dark, very, very dark. Mm -hmm. And then, so part of me is like, did somebody, because we've had racist experiences. When, in, when you, just to clear it up, when you say dark, he is indigenous Hawaiian, right? He's yeah, native. Yeah. Native Hawaiian. But James. he's dark enough that like when we went to Howell Pride, yeah. no, we're I know sitting James. out on the road. James is very dark. He, he <laughs> we had people brown scream skin. out the window. I hate yes. black people. Yes. You know, like yes. at him. So he's dark enough that people. And like, he's associate. probably the darkest person in your community. Hundred percent, like hundred percent. Which know. was my whole point in telling the police officer, like we have a minority that lives in this household. Right. This is not a house of That's white people. That's what you were trying yeah. to say. Well, and I'm gonna yeah. say this, like. Because what I was mentioning earlier, how I had, now I was in trouble, okay, I, so, but because but, I had somebody calling me, like, saying they wanted to investigate me, a sheriff's deputy. But even, even with you, like, police destroy innocent people's lives all the time. It happens every day. I'm not Especially brown and black people. Exactly. <laughs> and, so, basically... What we're trying to say here is Wes tried to paint you as a liar yes. because you mistakenly said that your that your husband was black instead of, you know, very dark, which, you know, here's the thing. This is a very minor mistake. You went back and corrected you. Right. You before before any of that happened, and I got a copy of the police report. Did a smear campaign against you. Yes. He said that, you know, he's like, "Oh, you're an outsider." He Let's talk about what the smear campaign actually looked like. See, cuz here's the thing. He he came at you like Oh, I, I filed a FOIA request, which he did, and I FOIA'd all the police reports. And what he did is he tried to basically, he never accused you of doing it yourself, but he opened the doorway to cast dispersions on you that led other people to make this completely disgusting, you know, uh, um, oh, there, the, the Clean States campaign manager had straight out said that I, I did it to myself. One of the board members completely straight up said yeah. I did it to myself. But he's not going to be brave enough to say that because he knows that that's not, first of all, yeah. he knows it's not true and it would it would open him up to potential litigation if he did. That, that's when I stopped paying but, attention. I was yeah. like, this is so crazy. 
I am not even going to give any, I called it a starvation campaign, which is exactly what the city of Howell did with the KKK when they came to the, the courthouse. Um, it, it was the same, it worked historically. And I said, that's what we're gonna do again. Um, I'm done. And so I honestly, I've never even opened up any of the stuff that they did on me because it was Good. so nuts. Because honestly, so what you're talking about is a month after, so it happened on August, I found it, I think like April 2nd, the millage was May 2nd, okay, the timeline wise. I didn't come forward with that information to anybody because I was scared that it was going to scare our people who were killing it with the campaign. The Yes campaign was doing so good, but I was afraid that if I made this information known that our people would be scared and they would be afraid that they would become targets. So I chose not to make this information known. Are you talking, when you say the, the swastika, okay. I did not okay. want anybody to know what had happened to me. So, and, and then the millage passed and we won. It was great. And so the next board meeting, I talked about it. I didn't go to the press. I just wanted it to be known that this happened. Um, and then the press picked it up because they were at that board meeting. Gotcha. And so when that press picked it up, the journalist had actually contacted me and said there's discrepancies in the report, which I'd never bothered to look at the report. Why would I care? And they said, well, they're, you know, there's they're saying, well, there may or may not be burning. And there was this. And so I said, you know, I'm just going to go down to the police station and get a copy myself. And and I showed the police, the police officer at the time. I still had a video on my phone of the charring. And he goes, yeah, that's that's clearly burned. And mm -hmm. he's like, let's let's go out and we're going to go back and look at it. He, he wanted to. And I was like, OK, I didn't ask for it. Um, but when I read the report, I saw that they had wrote, written that he was, my husband was African-American and I said, we need to fix that. He's yeah. indigenous yeah. and that's stuff, you know, and so they did. And it so was you no corrected problem. yourself. You right. This and was early. still did this a smear campaign against you. Yeah. Which, which to me just shows that they're reaching significantly. They are definitely And when I reaching. saw that somebody had caught wind and said, Hey, they're going to FOIA your reports. They're going to be doing this big thing. So I for funsies went and FOIA'd my own reports just to see what they found. And oh my gosh, when I started reading it, I was just like, I mean, the, the police officer literally was like, I proved that she is not a Heartland teacher. And I was just sick to my stomach. It's like, I never said that I was a Heartland teacher. I said that I was doing this campaign in Heartland and that I, yeah. you know, I'm an advocate for this parent group, but I had no point and that I'm a teacher, you know, that's, that's my degree. That's my my what I do for a living, right? right. But I, but he made. You've never tried to present yourself no. as a well, Heartland teacher, and this whole time I've ever <laughs> no. known you, have you ever so, said that? So the fact that they he they made that inference and then made it like continuously reported in there, I shut that police report, and I had made that decision in that moment that I was not going to listen or open up anything else at that point. The police. There was anxiety it caused my family Sorry, and I. I was just done. Just uh, so yeah. the just, police report, the police investigation, from what I read about, it was under overwhelming to begin with they never ever seem to be able to to catch to catch these people we're still waiting to find well, I out wanna, i want to point out in that first month where i didn't even speak out about it we had multiple other hate crimes in the same neighborhood we had pride flags stolen off of people's houses and i'm talking spider-man style like these were not you know a flagpole by the street they came up onto their property climbed their house stole these flags and then burned them on on the, the beach. beach and there was and new there were new reports about that as oh, well that, multiple. that was another thing west neck Geary, I think he said that the, that there were no news reports on it. No, there but were there was. News and and yes, and there was a police report made on it. And a police report. So it wasn't just this incident. Oh, and then in May, we also had um, 
what was it? Um, Anti-Semitic flyers. So, okay, let me back up. So the people who had in our, in my neighborhood who had the, uh, um, the pride flag stolen, they also had, um, LGBT, anti-LGBTQ memes printed in color and put into their mailboxes, which is super creepy. Um, and then I think I want to say may anti-Semitic literature, which again was printed color stuck inside back baggies with like deer feet it looked like like corn kernels were chucked into um another neighborhood here in heartland's driveways uh which was linking pedophilia to this is a major increase in anti-semitic anti-lgbtq hate hate crimes in one neighborhood yeah and 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 i think you said this earlier but you live in the same neighborhood as west neck just just like a couple bucks yeah and he paints you as an outsider (laughs) he paints you as an outsider because your your four houses down well here's the lake it's just like that lake situation that brooke also experienced here's the thing do you have to live to west neck our lives did not end at county lines this is like a brilliant quote well that's the funny part is whenever so i chuckle inside whenever i hear that because i i shop all the heartland stores i'm in heartland meyer all the time i'm in i frequent the district the businesses and eat out at all the heartland places i have never seen them i'm like what you're yeah. talking about you always well, message me and you're like i'm out and about i'm out and out. like you and you, I will, check you in. and i <laughs> message and i know sometimes julie i will say this sometimes you have messaged me in the past because you and i do a lot of voice messaging like you'll you'll record something and i record something and you know we talk that's to a lot with my autoimmune yeah I mine and, and i don't yeah i don't like with that either i'm not about it so and you'll say to me, like, oh, I'm out and I don't know who's really looking at me. I don't know if people are looking at me. I don't know if I'm getting funny. Look, like, and I know how that feels because I have gone through that myself. Well, I've had people follow me. Like, I've literally changed my license plates after I leave a school board meeting in Heartland because I've been followed. See, and that's not, this is, it's, oh, listen, it's okay, people, for, for us all to disagree, for everyone in this community to disagree. But this and this is why I really wanted to have you on, Julie, because to me, this goes way beyond people disagreeing passionately about issues. This is, a, this is an issue of you feeling safe in your own community and that safety feeling under threat. Yeah. And it's an intimidation and scare tactic. It's intimidation and scare. And and my first reaction is absolutely lay low, totally anxiety filled i don't want to bring any attention to this i don't want to make it worse for my family and myself but then that right you know after you process those emotions it's like screw that i'm not going to let them think that they've won and that they're scaring us into submission because the fact is is there's way way more of us in our group that are coming out and they care and they're watching out for everybody and those people are they're i just lost my train of thought but they're um they're standing up they're not backing down so they're actually coming out and being public about things that are happening and if we have enough people like that they can't target all of us that's right there's power in numbers and the group is proving that we have a lot of people in the backs and the back channels they have to stay low for certain reasons yeah but there's a lot more who are stepping out and saying you know what this is not okay and I'm not, okay. not going to let this happen anymore. Like, I had neighbors that are still going up and speaking at the school oh boards. Oh, my gosh. So I forgot about I... that. You're Okay. <laughs> Listen, we got to talk about that because I, I didn't even have that in my outline, and I completely forgot about it. So your name, and my name, actually, Jean Gogoleski, 
I think it was, brought up your name and my name as well. Maybe because we're friends. I don't really know because I'm doing this show at a recent school board meeting, basically rehashing these nefi- these spurious allegations from West Nakagiri, this this baseless baloney. And and you're not at the school board meeting. I'm not at the school board meeting to defend themselves. And and Megan Glaybach, who's the board president, is just letting her go on and on about this oh, yeah. for with people who can't even defend there. themselves. Yeah, Janine, I actually like, you know, talked to Janine after that and she was like, Oh, you know, these people are trying to manipulate you. These people like, I've never met Janine Gogoleski in my life. How does she know anything about your friendship and my friendship? Yeah. Well, you know, what's a, really fun is that, like, they often claim that, like, every Facebook account is, like, everyone that disagrees with them <laughs> is you, which is ridiculous. Anyways. So that anyways. is why we strategically, yeah. at that yeah. point, when we saw that attack coming out, at, I, it, it's just not safe. The environment very clearly is um, toxic, and Sage made a decision just for Heartland. While the, the while the climate is as awful as it is right now, we strategically chose to um, to stop attending. So we're yeah. not going to where we currently have a a can't where we're just keeping it boring. We're going to all show up and do show our support on Zoom. We have a similar backgrounds, and we've changed our names to kids first, so that they, we can still they can, the teachers and students can see that we're still engaged, we're still paying attention. Yeah. But and we have met with the board and and the super, um, superintendent, and straight up said, until the environment at the school board meetings comes back to safety mm-hmm. and respect, we will not be physically present anymore. All right, so we kind of do need to wrap up here. So I'm just going to real quickly say that Sage is going to be holding Brews and Views every fourth Monday. So on October 23rd from 6 to 8 p.m. at Witch's Hat Brewing Company is Brews and Views. You can go to that. In addition, we have... I'm going to interrupt real quick. That can be a little bit of a trek. And so if anybody needs carpooling, we have that option available. Yes. And the email is... Okay, just for the audio folks out there. Sage... Sage, S-A-G-E-L-I-V-C-O at gmail.com. SageLiveCo at gmail.com. If you want more information on that, email them and they'll get that to you. And we also have a bonfire coming up Saturday, October 14 in Howell. Uh, You will need to join. You will need to say going or interested on the Facebook group in order to receive the address for that, though. Yeah, you can jump on. You can find, if you um, yes. go on Facebook and you type in Stand Against Extremism, L-I-V-C-O, you'll, we have a public group now, and there's um, these are Facebook events that are pinned to the top of the page, so you can find more information there. You also have our contact information. Our phone number is 517. Is that 758-6621? Sorry, you, it's on the poster. I think yeah, that's seven, it. Uh, Ella, you have young. There it is. It's 517-798-6621. And I want to, and I just want to emphasize between now, so October is going to be super fun. We're actually focusing a lot on resiliency and self-care because that's something I've had to build up in myself um, over these past few months. I can't believe that happened in April and this is what a half a year later we're still talking about it. So I want to um, really get that power harnessed within ourselves so that we can come from a place of connection because there's a lot of trauma that this brings up for people. Um, And so we're like focusing on building community 
And what does that self-care look like within our movement? And so that's where October is being um, emphasized, our focus is at. But I want to say, so in the next two weeks leading up to the bonfire on the 14th, which is on a new moon, will be mm. magical. Um, we will be having a organizational meeting. Um, so if you want to come... Um, check out what we're doing. We're going to be working on campaign strategies for the 2024 election yeah. year. Because that's really what's most, what yeah. say in Livingston Integrity is all about. You we want you want to start promoting candidates that you feel are responsible. Qualified. Qualified and have the right. And nonpartisan, truly nonpartisan. Nonpartisan, but yeah. have the right ideas because really that's part of the, that's part of the reason why these people attack you is because they don't really have any good ideas of their own. They have no platform of their own that they can stand on because yeah. if they did, they would they would be able to 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 put that out there and ha- and gain followers, but because they don't, they have to they have to attack people and make people feel threatened. The people who actually do have ideas for making things better. Yeah, so our our whole focus this year has been on base building, and that's what these events in October are really highlighting is like coming in, meeting us, talking super informal, super chill, super relaxed, just fun times. But then next right. year's a campaign year next year 2024 is a campaign year and that's when you're going to see livingston integrity pop in because we are a political action committee and that's when you're going to start seeing that change of switch over to yes thank you so much julie we are going to you're you're going to be with us through the whole show but 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 we want to have you know we wanted to get this all out now and yes this has been this has been we are going to now move on to our interview yes i didn't even do a rundown because i was so excited to have we have two interviews coming up so we are going to start with our first interview. Welcome back, everyone, to The Stir. Today we have with us Christian Prim, rising talent and senior at Heartland High School. And just as of last Friday, Christian was crowned the homecoming king for Heartland High School here in 2023. Oh, is that your mom? We have Christian with us right now. <laughs> <laughs> was that your mom, Christian? Yeah, it is my friend's mom. Oh, your we friend's hanging mom. Out after. Okay. Yeah, homecoming was last night, so that's okay. Yep. I thought that was maybe your mom. That's okay. Welcome, welcome, Christian. How are you today? I am great. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm. We're so glad that you're here, and uh, we just wanted to take a few minutes to talk with you a little bit about Friday's game, about your being, you know, a senior at, at, in Heartland. Could you tell us a little bit um, about the about the homecoming game and how you were nominated and how that made you feel? Yeah, so I I was lucky enough to be able to rally the support of all of my fellow senior band members who really support me, and it was really great. And we have the numbers, and they were able to get me up there, and it was just during that game it just I'm sorry, it didn't feel real like I, knowing that i have all of these people who love and support me it's just it is so great and it it feels so good that is really amazing so you are you are in are you in the you're in the band then right yes what do you play in the band i play mellophone a mellophone yeah what's a mellophone i don't know what that is so it's it's a marching french horn it looks like a trumpet just bigger Oh, very cool. And you're also in choir as well, right? Yes. Now yeah. I saw, I, I did a little bit of digging on you, Christian. I hope that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> but I saw last 
uh, last May, when you were a junior, you got nominated uh, for All State Honors Choir. Is that right? Yes, yes, I did. Yep. That is amazing. Now that's that's pretty much one of the highest state honors that you can get in choir, right? Yeah. Now, did you have to audition for that? Yep. Yeah, that was like a two audition process. I participated in regionals and states, and then my audition was high enough to get me all the way to all state. That's great. And you're, are you going to audition again this year? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, great. I, best of luck to you on that. I think Thank you're a you. shoe in. <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit, what, what are some of your plans for, for after high school? Um, after high school, I would like to go to um, Columbia College, Chicago, and I plan to study vocal performance and sing for the rest of my life. That's amazing. That is fantastic. So Christian, we have some video that a parent took of you being announced for Homecoming King on, on Friday. Would it be okay if we played that? Can yeah, you hear? of course. Oh, okay. Awesome. All right, I'm gonna cue that up. Cue that up, Bella. Homecoming King, Christian Brown. So clearly you have quite a fan base. <laughs> yeah. I, yes, I'm very lucky. <laughs> so, um, okay, well that that is fantastic. So tell us tell us a little bit more about that. How like who was there one friend who nominated you or did the whole band kind of get together and say that they wanted to do this? So the way we do it is we have the senior class vote just to get us up there, and then once we got up there voting was open to everyone and i am lucky enough that doing all the activities i do i am able to connect with so many people and i feel like by knowing all of these people it was very helpful and they were very kind in voting for me and i was able to make it through all my connections that's great and that probably just made you feel really loved and supported i would imagine absolutely yeah it was great what'd your parents think were they, they were very excited. That's great. That's fantastic. So one of the reasons, Christian, that we wanted to bring you on, beca because, you know, we have homecoming kings and queens, you know, and congratulations to all of them throughout homecoming season. Everyone in every high school, Howell, Pinckney, Heartland, uh, Fowlerville, Brighton, all the schools, Congratulations to their homecoming court, you know, and everyone who made it. It's an achievement for anybody. But part of the reason why we wanted to um, bring you on today is because um, you are an openly gay student at Heartland High School. Is that right? Yes, it is. Yep. Now, can you tell us a little bit about what that experience has been like for you and a little bit of story? Like, when did you do, when did you come out? What made you decide to do that? Yeah, so I, you know, I've been open since middle school. It's always been just who I am. I've I've always been different, you know, um, and it's just you kind of just decide to embrace it, especially in a place like this where that doesn't really happen a lot. It just you kind of just are who you are, and there's that's all it is. So you're just being your. You have just boldly gone forward and been yourself. That's been. 
Yeah. Let yeah, your light shine. Right? Yeah. 100%. That's great. And so would you say that your friends and the adults in your community, teachers, parents, um, have been supportive of you along the way? And how important has that been to you to have them be oh, supportive absolutely. of you? Yeah, it has. It's been the most important thing. It's what's making me get through you know all the support you need support when you go through especially when you're a minority in a place like this it's it's difficult to go through the day but when you know you have those people who support you it makes it a lot easier yeah and let's just be honest band kids are awesome (laughs) like they band kids when i was in school uh a few eons ago were also awesome I wasn't a band kid, but I had friends who were band kids. I was like the the newspaper debate team nerd kid, but like I had adjacent friends to band and they were always so cool. Like everyone was welcoming. Everyone was really accepting kind of a come as you are. We love you for who you are kind of kind of vibe, right? Yeah, and- no, absolutely. The band is my family. It's yeah. That's fantastic. Well, and it's, I hope you guys will keep in touch, you know, like even after you graduate, you know, there's going to be a lot of changes, but those friendships, I think they last a lifetime if you cultivate them, you know? For sure. Yeah. So just one other, one other question. Well, actually I've got two questions for you. Um, One is what is something that you would like to say to other students your age who are struggling with their identity in school and then might be afraid of not being accepted amongst their peers? What kind of advice would you have for them? Yeah, so I would suggest I find your people. And once you once you find those people, you feel so much more comfortable being yourself that like your fears just go away. You just you just have to find the people who will support you and it's hard to do but once you do it is so much better sounds like band is definitely band and choir like our safe space for that so you absolutely know, something, something for for students to know who might be struggling and then my last question i had for you i want you to talk to the adults do you think we're growing as a community here in terms because you had mentioned that and before you kind of alluded to like it was hard coming out, especially in a community like this. You kind of said, you know, like it's difficult. Do you think um, in terms like are we growing in terms of our acceptance of LGBTQ folks out here? And what do you think are our strengths and some of the things that adults out here need to work on? Like basically, what do you want them to know about your experience and how they can be most supportive of young LGBTQ students in the community? Yeah, so. I feel it's really important to just be open to hearing about it. I know when people hear about things that are different, they immediately want to just shut it down, but it's important to just open up and at least listen and attempt to understand and making those youth voices feel heard makes them a lot more comfortable coming out no matter where they are. That's so important. That's well, I just, I, we are all so appreciative of you, Christian, for coming out here today and spending time with us and talking with us. We wish you all the best of luck uh, through the school year this year and into college. And yeah, just keep, keep doing what you're doing. Keep letting your light shine. You're, you're a beautiful person. And we're so happy that you won Homecoming King. That's a great way to start out the year. And I think it's only going to get better for you as things move on. I hope so. Thank you so much. Yeah. Take care. You too. 
And we are back once again with Nicole Matthews Creech. She is the executive director for the Livingston Diversity Council. And welcome to the Stir Nicole. Stir Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be on with you today. It's very exciting to have you as well. Um, I've been following your the the Diversity Council from went from. It's, it's, I think it was started like in the early 90s under a different name. And I've, I've kind of been tracking what it is you've been doing in this community ever since then. Is, can you tell us a little bit about the history of the Diversity Council? I would be happy to. It's, um, it's always a great opportunity to talk about the Livingston Diversity Council because most often people assume that we've been we just started recently um and the organization actually became a registered nonprofit with the united states uh, nonprofit as a 501c3 in 1987 and initially they were uh, recognized as livingston 2001 and the idea behind the name was that the kindergartners that year were going to be graduating high school in 2001 and they were going to be leaving the community in a very different place than what they were growing up in at that time. So their goals were to kind of reach their visions by 2001. And in 2001, they changed to Livingston Diversity Council because there was more things to do. (laughs) Yes, because it's now 2023. So that's like a whole like two decades later, like can you tell us a little bit about how the diversity council, or excuse me, the the diversity council has has changed in this community, you know, over yep. over the past few years? And where do you see yourselves going? Where do you see yourselves headed? Yeah, absolutely. When the Livingston Diversity Council first started as Livingston two thousand one, they started as a reactionary group in response to things that were happening within the community. At that time, we had an active Ku Klux Klan in the community led by Robert Miles, who was the um, the leader of the, of the state, uh, the Michigan State KKK. And so where there were things going on in the community being hosted by the KKK and the community didn't want that to be how we were known because it wasn't representative of most of the community. Mm -hmm. And so they came together in response to that. So for quite some time, the next 20 years or so, they really were focused on just addressing issues as they came up. They were a reactive organization, um, all made of volunteers, right? Just community members who said, we want things to look different here. And we want people to know that this is not who we are. Um, early 2000s, they started to look at different ways to be proactive, which was one of the things that actually drew me to the Livingston Diversity Council. I graduated from Brighton High School in 93. They had no idea that such an organization existed until about 2005. Um, I joined the, the council in 2010 and became the board president in 2011. And my history, my experience, my education was all based around prevention work. And so I really loved the direction that they were headed and wanted to be a part of it. So uh, becoming the board president in 2011, realizing that there needed to be a lot more support in that group. Um, There needed to be more volunteers, not just six board members. Mm -hmm. And so by 2015, we were still kind of struggling in, in, you know, with our small board 
And I said, okay, we need to make some changes or we need to stop what we're doing because those of us that are involved are exhausted. And so we uh, came together and and built a a really strong board and a really strong uh, set of volunteer committees and volunteer opportunities. By 2018, we had 16 board members. And uh, by 2020, we had seven different committees, internal and external, that were working on the, the work that we do in the community, which is really just to lift up diversity, equity, inclusion, and access to create a sense of belonging, a sense of welcoming. Uh, we work on placemaking with different entities, different uh, community organizations here. We want folks within the community to feel like they're a part of the community and to be safe and to be their authentic selves. We also want folks outside of the community to see the work that's been done here and how we've changed and how we're still working to change. Um, there's a lot of proactive um, and really, we, we, we're nonpartisan. We can't be political. Uh, we're a nonprofit 501c3. Our goal is just to create safe and welcoming spaces and to be civil with each other. And that has been a really big challenge the last few years, as I think everybody listening and watching knows. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that a little bit, because this is kind of how my, my view on it has been, because I've lived in this county for, you know, for a while. I graduated from Howell in 95, moved away for a little bit, but I worked out here. I'm very I'm familiar with this community and it does feel like for a while there things did get kind of quiet like you you know you didn't really see as much um you know after the KKK you know they came to the library they did their pro, you know the things that you talked about they did their demonstration people didn't show up they didn't give them the attention that they were craving and 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 then you've got the diversity council coming out and as kind of an response to that I feel like over the over the years, like through the, like the early 2000s to like over, there was like a 15 year period where things were kind of quieter out here. And, and, but the community started to become a little bit more diverse. You would see more diverse faces. But then as, like you said, like as of lately, just within, you know, in the last five years or so, I, I can't even think of how many, how many times this year, Julie, have we had headlines of racist graffiti, um, like different things happening, just different things happening in this community that are ugly and make, I you lost know, count. Hateful. Yeah, lost count. So <clears throat> do you see in light of that, and since you acknowledged it yourself, that like, you know, this is becoming a more amped up, it's a problem that's returning. It's something we thought that mm-hmm. we had managed and now it feels like it's it's that energy is coming back where do you see the diversity council's role in all of that and i want after we talk about that i want to talk a little bit about the event that you have coming up too because that's very exciting but go ahead nicole yeah absolutely um those are super easy questions (laughs) 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 you know i know it's not exactly not no i understand if, if we look, uh, although I say that, and, and if we look back historically, we have a lot of, we have a lot of information, we have a lot of history to uh, experience to look back on and say, there, there are so many times in our history that um, we thought we had things, you know, right. Um, things, people were getting what they needed. Um, there were rights achieved. And then, you know, 10 years later, 20 years later, 50 years later, rights are removed. Um, we have so much experience and so much, um, 
<laughs> evidence that that it's it's not a linear progression with any of these things. And um, so I guess the way that I choose to look at it is every time and every movement and every effort to make things better, there's always pushback. There's always backlash. There's always folks that say, I don't like this. I think it goes to the very human nature of all of us that change is really hard. And that oftentimes change feels like something is being taken away from me. And that initiates that kind of guerrilla response in all of us um, to protect what we think is right. And, and sometimes it's just what's right for us at that moment is, is what feels the same and what feels different must be wrong or it must be um, challenged. And so I feel like uh, the pushback is, is a natural, a natural stage that we have to go through to make some change. Um, and, and it's upon all of us and, and where I see the diversity council fitting in now is we, we don't take sides. We want folks to come together and have conversations, right? I say we don't take sides, but please also understand that that doesn't mean that I'm not going to fight for somebody's civil rights, um, including my own. And, um, and that's not taking a side. That's literally just um, that's having protecting values, what is currently values. there. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it gets messy. It gets hard. Right. And, and so I think all together, what's making things really difficult is we have lost the ability to just have a conversation. Uh, if, if I disagree with you, then I must hate you is a feeling that I get from a lot of folks, not necessarily in person, but on social media or um, in comments on web stories or in the news or things like that. Um, I, I have a lot of friends that I sincerely like at their basis, we disagree on some pretty core issues. We can still be friends, we can still have conversations, and I can respect their opinion and they can respect mine. And at the end of the conversation, it's like, well, this is how we feel. And as long as we can continue to be friends with it, it's all good, right? Absolutely. Um, I think that, isn't yeah. that kind of, like, I think that's a community that, like, most people who live here want. I mean, people, yes. you know, they want to not, they want everyone to, you know, we want people to feel safe here. We want people to feel like they can prosper here. And, mm -hmm. and, and that it's not about what what your skin color is or your cultural background or or anything like that you know it's just about these you know community values of respect letting people make their own choices and how they want to live their lives and not you know do no harm do no harm to other people right isn't that really what it's right. about right and i think you're right i think a lot of us at our core we want we want that feeling for everyone. Um, and I think for me, I, I go one step a little further and I say, um, I, I would, I welcome and I revel at, at folks who come and be their authentic selves and, um, and appreciate that because their experience means that I can learn without having to walk through their experiences and we can all do better together. So I love the fact that we can bring in folks and have conversations with people that don't have the same experiences than I do. I have a very specific experience growing up in Livingston County um, and being a white, straight, cisgender female who's been middle class my whole life, who is temporarily fully abled. Um, I, I tend to, to go with the traditional religion, right? I mean, all of those things 
lead to my very specific experience. And that means that I don't have a lot of experience that a lot of other people have. So that is actually an excellent segue into this culture event that you have coming up here. Now, this is our date. Let me make sure I got this right. October 7th, noon to 11 at the Howell Opera House. This 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 is a new event that the Diversity Council is doing, right? I can see from your face you're very excited about this. Tell us a little I bit about ex- Cultura. Tell us. I am excited, and 90% of me is so excited for the day, and 10% is excited for me to, for it to be over. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> it, it has been an absolute labor of love that started. There's the poster. Um, it's been an absolute labor of love that started it with a very general conversation, a very simple conversation, as most great ideas do. Uh, back in January, actually, of 2023, we uh, I was meeting with some folks from the Livingston Arts Council who support and uh, provide programming with the Howell Opera House. And we both have, at least in part, as a part of our mission uh, to to provide exposure and opportunities to learn about different cultures, right? Through the arts, through education, through just any kind of opportunities. And we were saying just, it would be very cool to bring all of our worlds together and our expertise. And um, and really, Cultura was kind of born out of that. And uh, it started out as being a pretty small conversation and grew to this amazingly huge conversation. There are 19 different performances that folks can see at Cultura on Saturday, which is less than a week away, uh, starting at 12 noon we have an indoor stage inside the opera house that will be host to a lot more of the culturally significant performances. We have Bollywood dancers, Polynesian dancers. We have a live art performance who he'll be doing a, a live art show during that time. We have the Bicini Bia Congo Theater Dance Company. So all kinds of different performances that relate back to those groups, cultures and and really, like, it's dance and music that can be entertaining, but there's so much behind those. The moves, literally with Bollywood, right, it's it's like the Hawaiian dancers, the Polynesian dancers, every move has significance. Every move actually means something, is trying to convey a message. And it's so spiritual. those are the performances that you'll see there. There's a spiritual element to it as well, right? It's, it's Absolutely. It's manifesting the spiritual through the physical almost mm-hmm. in a way oh mm-hmm. i'm heartbroken that i'm gonna miss it i'm out of town <laughs> i didn't know it was on that day it sounds amazing and there's going to be international food trucks too right Yes, we have four food trucks. We're starting out small. Um, we do want to encourage folks to utilize the downtown businesses, right? There is the social district, so people can go visit those places. Um, but we also have our food trucks. Some of the regular players, like Tamale Rose, that people have come to love in Livingston County, specifically in downtown Howell. But we're also bringing in a new food truck uh, called Reggae Foodie. And they're out of Lansing and they're Jamaican food. And so I'm super excited about them. That sounds fantastic. So this is going to be at the Opera House, noon to 11 p.m. This uh, Saturday, or not, yeah, Saturday, October 7th. October 7th. So, and people, they don't need, do they need tickets in advance or can they just kind of show up and, and, and party? 
That's, that's a great question. Thank you so much for bringing that up. The attendance at the event is completely free. We're not uh, we're not inviting folks to, to buy tickets. We're not requiring that. We do have a special ticketed event happening on the second floor of the Opera House uh, that evening from 7 to 9. It's a whiskey tasting with food pairings. That requires tickets, and they can find those ticket that ticket information on our website, which is culturacelebration.com. You can also see our performance lineup, download the event schedule so you know where to go and who's performing when, uh, whether it's our outdoor stage on a ten on Walnut Street or the indoor stage inside the Opera House. Um, so folks can just come. They can come several times throughout the day. They can stay all day. It's That's a long day, but they're more than welcome to stay all day. Or yeah. they can come and see a performance, go home, and come back later. Um, the beauty Sounds of it is, is if you're working during the day on a Saturday, like a lot of our retailers are downtown, they still have Saturday night until 11 p.m. 11 p.m. to see our yeah. performance. Yeah. So, so yeah. tell me that website one more time, Nicole. Yep, absolutely. It's www.culturacelebration.com. www.culturacelebration.com. Uh, go ahead, everyone. Go to their website. Check out this event. It's a free event. Food, dancing, talent, music, poetry, it's got everything. And Nicole, we so appreciate you taking the time to uh, to speak with us today about the Diversity Council, about Cultura, and hopefully we'll have you back sometime in the future. Sounds great. Thank you so much for promoting our event. And uh, we're just, we're so excited. We will be doing this annually. So if you miss it this year, we'll see you next year for oh, sure. That's fantastic, for sure. You take care. Take care now. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day. You too. Bye. All right, everyone. And we're back. Welcome back to the stir for our final segment. This is how we end our show every single time. Good vibes. Good vibes. I'm good hijack. Good vibes. Because I have the talking pillow, apparently. You have Wait, this is not. I'm going to do a plug on good vibes real fast. I okay. want to go back to our bonfire in Howell coming up on Saturday the 14th. This is going to be phenomenal vibes. Like, it's nothing but good times. We've held events here before. They're fantastic. It's family-friendly. It's a huge yard that's fenced in. Plenty of stuff for the kids to do so that the grown-ups can just sit back, chill, hang out. Um, it's a bring-your-own-beverage type of situation, and we have stuff that we can make on the fire. So I just really want to. I want people to come out yes. and have some good, good vibes I will us. be there, too. Who does not love a bonfire in the middle of October in Michigan? On a new moon. On a new it's moon. It's going to be so magical. It is going to be crazy magical. So, yes, we definitely want to plug that. If you want to meet me, if you want to meet Julie, Ella, are you planning to go or... Do you know? Come back. Maybe. Come on Maybe. back. All right, all right. All right. It's gonna be a great time. So thank you for that, Julie. And then we we have another we have a, a good vibes here today that this is out of my comfort zone, okay? But I wanted to do it. <laughs> so last week on Good Vibes, we solicited content because we always tell people we wanna end the show on a positive note. Send us send us your um Anything that makes you feel good, if you have a charity that you're involved in, if you have kid picks, if you have pet picks, if you have a pet that you know of that needs adoption, that could use some extra attention, um, we would be happy to do that for you. But then, and, and that still applies, but then what I said was anything but a spider pick. <laughs> and now we are going to present spider. <laughs> so my, my friend, um, Allison, she, her, who lives in Brighton, sent this to me. So... This is, okay, now I'm going to, this is, this spider is, it's Mia. 
That's her name. And Mia is a teenager, okay? So everybody look out, okay? That's what I was told. She is a preteen, okay? So she's in that phase where she's fabulous <laughs> and, and moody and molting. And I'll tell you a little bit more about this. But Allison sent, this is her new, that, that's her molting there on the on the right. <laughs> so spiders actually go through teenage phases? Yes, they go through teenage phases, according to Allison. So this is what she says. She's, she, Allison writes, here is Mia's story. I blame TikTok. I saw a jumping spider on TikTok and became obsessed. And they have the sweetest little faces. All my kids are in college, so I needed something to fill my time. I asked for a spider for Hanukkah, Christmas, Mother's Day, and my birthday. Everyone thought I was kidding and nobody wanted to buy me a spider. <laughs> I did a little research, found a breeder. Yes, a breeder. They breed. They have breeders for this. And waited patiently for my spider to be delivered. Miss Mia... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Miss Mia was super shy at first, but quickly realized that without me, she'd starve. Uh, so now I know more about jumping spiders than the average person will ever need to know. She is called an I, she's an I7, which means she's a preteen. I guess that's the spider name. I7 is the spider name for the, for the tween years. Um, every time she molts, her colors will get brighter. When she's building her web hammock, it looks like she's dancing. She now comes over when I open the door to her enclosure. I have spent a small fortune on that enclosure. She has a house, a bridge, a little ladder, and a chain of flowers to climb. She is the sweetest little thing, and I love her. So it's a jumping spider. If you guys have kids, you need to check out Lucas the Jumping Spider on uh, probably like YouTube. But uh, they're YouTube, shorts, and we could TikTok even... maybe too. No, might I, be. I don't think it's TikTok. They're the short YouTube clips. Okay, but Lucas the Jumping Spider made me fall in love with jumping spiders. And I love this whole idea that she molts, and every time she molts, she gets brighter. All Let, right, so who, who cannot relate to that? We're all we're all shedding our skins, like you know, and then it's we just get fabulous. Gets it brighter and more fabulous. So you go. So yeah, remember go. if you have something to submit for good vibes, here is our email address. That's where you put it. Uh, yeah, and just send us send us um, some photos, a little blurb explaining what it is that you're sharing, your pronouns, and where you're from. Like not an address, but just your town where you're from, and uh, and we'll put it on good vibes. So we'll share it. <laughs> We always love to do that, so please, please go ahead and submit. So, uh, and then Ella, do you have your do you have our socials up there that we can share really quickly? Yes, one okay. moment. Okay, <laughs> after the spider. Yeah. So yes. We're gonna go ahead. These are our socials. Um, you can you'll be able to see. We're gonna put um, a little video of Mia on our socials on our TikTok just to show like her in her little hunting mode. And we share a bunch of other clips and stuff on. You should on, do Lucas right next to hers. Oh yeah, we could. Yeah, ever. we could duet. Do a Spidey duet. Because they do like songs. It's amazing. Oh, that's a great idea. So um, yeah, so follow us on on TikTok. Follow us on Insta. Then the, also our address, the Stirpot at Transistor FM, where you can find all of our audio streaming platforms on this website. If you're interested in listening to the Stir over audio, which also includes both Spotify and, as of now, as of this week, Apple Podcasts, which we are very excited about. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Julie, it's been a pleasure, pleasure, and you're welcome anytime, mm -hmm. Ella. Yes. And uh, hopefully next week we will have Jace back with us. We're going to be doing an interview with the mayor of the city of Howell, 
Bob Ellis nice. is going to be on our show in person. We're very excited about this. We've hit the big time. Bob is up for re-election this year on November 7th, so we want to be sure to promote him. So everyone have a great couple weeks. We'll see you in a few. And peace out. <laughs>